Hello, fellow ag nerd. Thank you for joining me for another episode of The Future of Agriculture. My name is Tim Hamrich, and I get to sit down every week with the founders, farmers, innovators, and investors, the people shaping the future of the ag industry. Now, over the past decade, one of the areas of agriculture that has certainly changed the most is in the number of available digital tools that can be used on a farm. On the surface, this is a great thing. But if, and only if, these tools are both easy to use and, of course, produce actionable results. And even then, even if they're great, a farmer is really only going to use so many of these tools. The amount of apps a farmer or anyone's going to use is certainly not infinite. Jim Ethington has been thinking about these issues for well over a decade now. He started at the Climate Corp in 2008 when it was still known as Weatherbill and was not yet exclusively an ag-focused company. He stayed with Climate for a decade through many milestones, including the acquisition by Monsanto and the integration of the 640 drive, which we featured in episode 241 with Craig Rupp. He left the company in 2018 as VP of product at the time to take the job as CEO of Arable, which is where he still works today. Arable offers systems that are easy to install on any farm to enable data-driven decisions using measurements that matter. With real-time continuous visibility and predictive analytics of over 40 metrics, their flagship product, the Arable Mark, is a straightforward and versatile tool that can be adapted to any field's demands and can satisfy any producer's needs to know even the most granular tidbit of information about their harvest. But before we dive into things with Jim, and trust me, you're going to love this conversation, I want to start by telling you about another podcast that I'm hosting. It's called SWAT Agronomy. This show is presented by Croptimistic Technology, which are the makers of SWAT Maps. The SWAT Agronomy podcast features people who stand at the cutting edge of where technology meets agronomy. And we're just four episodes in, but we've already shared some really cool stories of farmers and agronomists putting technology to work in their operations. So if you're interested in on-farm application of precision ag technology, you definitely want to subscribe to the SWAT Agronomy podcast. You can find it on any podcast platform. And now to dive into things with Jim Ethington. This is a really fun conversation about ag tech collaboration, finding ways to automate farm data collection, new types of data, including crop quality that can be leveraged maybe in the future. And which segments of farmers Jim's noticing embrace big data and automation in general. We start off, though, by talking about his days at the Climate Corp. As I said, he joined before they were even an ag tech company and stayed for a wild 10-year ride. But I asked him what he's carried over from that experience to his current role as CEO of Arable. It's really core to what Arable is doing and what I think is needed in agriculture. It's, it's a little bit more of something that I think uh, initially we struggled with at Climate and at Weather Bill, which is you know just how important accuracy and reliability and quality is as you deliver products to farmers. You know, if you're talking about putting something in a farmer's hand where they're really betting their livelihood, if you say, hey, I want you to change the way you farm based on this product man, you better be right, or you're not going to be on that farm very long. And just really understanding where that bar is, it can be tough. You're trying to build products, you're trying to ship things as a startup, uh, you're trying to move fast. So how do you know how reliable, how accurate is good enough? And that's something I think just over the years, I've I've come to appreciate and understand. You know, I remember, this is probably 2012, maybe early 2013, 
we'd um, provided product to a lot of different customers. And there was a, a pocket in Kansas where it had been dry, crop didn't do so well, payouts weren't the size that the growers were expecting. Dry land corn farming in Kansas is, is tough. It's dry a lot of years. But I went out and visited with those customers and uh, you know, walked their fields, saw the size of the ears of corn that was, were left in the fields. You know, they didn't harvest it. It wasn't worth it. And you know, compared that to, to what they'd been paid. And you know, we, we looked really hard at what it was. And the weather data that they were showing for their, their area wasn't what they experienced. And uh, you know, that accuracy of what actually happened in that field to that crop during what growth stage, it made all the difference. You know, it was the difference between a 120 bushel year and a 50 bushel year, which is a huge difference. 120 bushel year is pretty good for that region. And so, you know, just seeing firsthand and talking to customers and seeing their reaction when, you know, the product isn't showing them exactly what they saw in their field was a real learning experience for me and something I've carried forward. And so one of the big premises of Arable and what we're doing is providing really high quality and complete data about what happened in the field and how did the crop respond. And that is an underpinning of so much we're going to try and do in agriculture around the world and in the future. You know, a lot of it ties to making better decisions on the farm. You know, how do I execute a plan through the season and respond to those dynamics, whether it's how am I irrigating, when am I spraying, how am I fertilizing, things like that. All of those are dynamic. And if you don't really know what's happening in the field, those are tough to make in a, a responsive way. The other thing you know, I would highlight is just you know, what it really takes to scale a product, how simple and easy and intuitive things need to be to scale. And by scale, I mean, you know, going from zero to 30 million acres in a year, going from, you know, something that 60% of U.S. corn and beans farmers will use, things like that. And there's just a lot of lessons in there about, you know, simple stuff, manual data entry. Hate to break it to you, people are not going to type data into your product. Yeah, things like that. Uh, you know, set up an onboarding. What lengths are you willing to go to to make it really easy for somebody to start using your product and see value very quickly? And you know, what assumptions can you make about sort of the cost in time or money or learning for a, a user to to start you know adopting and using your product and really sanding all those down? There's a there's a sweet spot there that you have to be able to hit. I mean, you don't have to. There's other ways to grow. You can take sort of a slower, longer path. But if you really want to to scale rapidly, the amount of time and effort you have to spend on making things easy and seamless is immense. And that's, you know, the way that that shows up in what we do at Arable. You could say, all right, well, Arable involves devices that go into the field. There's nothing wrong with with hardware, you know, in solving these problems, especially if it's essential. You know, that's our core belief is if you're really going to unpack this incredibly complex dynamic system of crops growing and how your actions are impacting them, you need that data. You need that data to do it. Uh, you just have to make it incredibly easy to get. And you know, that's something we, we were able to do at Climate through the Field View Drive, which is, hey, you need this data about what was planted and what was harvested. The solution was this little device comes out of a box, you plug it into the CAN bus, which is sitting right by the seat in the tractor, the combine, and it's streaming data to your iPad in no time, and you're you're seeing value. And so you can have, you know, oftentimes there's an assumption that uh, as soon as you introduce any sort of hardware into this equation, it's going to make it too hard. 
That's often true. It's because it's so hard to make hardware that's really easy and reliable, though, that most people never quite get there. And so that tells a little bit of the Arable story, which is providing something that's so easy to go set up in the field, gives you complete information about really everything that's driving crop yield and crop quality, uh, as well as the crop's response to those conditions in something that comes out of the box, push one button, sets up in two minutes. I'm not building my own comms network. I'm not spending three hours at a location setting things up. You know, it's, it's got to be incredibly easy to deal with uh, because, you know, perhaps obviously there's so many other things going on on a farm. They don't have hours and hours for you. Uh, they just need the value as quickly as you can get it to them. You know, that sounds a lot like the pitch of a lot of sensor companies like, you know, hey, we have a really easy sensor. We put it out, gives you information about what's going on there. When you made the decision to join Arable, I'm sure they weren't the only one kind of making that pitch. What was it about Arable specifically that said, you know, I want to hitch my wagon, not just to any sensor technology or to any software suite built around hardware, but to Arable? Yeah, I, I think you know, what, what really drove it for me is I'd spent a lot of time out with customers and I'd spent a lot of time on our own research farms. I'd set up a bunch of these pieces of equipment myself. And I'd seen one other thing, which, you know, over that period, 2012, 2018, got the opportunity to talk to probably over a thousand farmers and, and around the world. In that time period, we launched in Brazil, we launched in Europe, and I'd ask just about every person the same question, which is, you know, what's the biggest challenge that you think technology could help you solve? What is it that a technology company like us could help you do that that you'd be interested in? What you know, what would you have us do if we could solve a problem for you? By far, the most common answer and the most strongly held answer to that was, why are there all these separate systems that don't work well together? Why do I have to use multiple apps? Why I, last thing I need is another login and another dashboard. The end result is it makes it all unusable to me. I cannot adopt these new digital technologies. It's too spread across and hard to use. And that is what really caught my attention about Arable is it is putting together all of the things that you need to know about what happened during that season into one system. You know, what is happening with the weather? What is happening with the soil? What is happening with my irrigation system? And how is the crop responding? Is it showing stress? What is its current growth stage? Why is it stressed? And so to get something that used to be, you know, four or five different apps into one, it's hugely powerful. And it's, I wouldn't say that we've completed that puzzle. There's more that needs to come together. And it's not that we're going to build it all. I think a lot of it comes through really thoughtful partnerships and integrations. You know, something I also saw at Climate. But you really have to fit in your head just how diverse agriculture is around the world. And you go, it's a crop, region, use case. No company is going to build all that. It's too crazy. It's too hard. But companies who I think are, are listening to their customer and that customer wants something that's seamless and easy, they're leaned into these types of proactive integrations and saying, hey, let's find somebody else who can help us do that. And however it works out, whether that customer is using our interface or your interface, like we just have to make sure that they're getting a seamless and compelling experience and not being stuck in this world of what happens oftentimes in sort of immature technology product spaces, which is everybody's sitting around fighting over who gets which part of the pie. And they're not stepping back and thinking about, man, compared to where this could be, this pie is pretty small. Why don't we all just focus on how to really, really grow this? And I think you look at sort of the digitization of 
of agriculture and what's going to be happening were orders of magnitude, two, three orders of magnitude smaller than this will be in 20 or 30 years. And I think that can be unlocked by these types of collaborations. What's that look like in practice? You know, what, what does it take to unlock that? It, you know, and you could speak from arable standpoint or, or more generally, if you'd like. Yeah, I mean, I'll give an, an example of one that we've we've done, and I'm really excited about at Arable, which is the work that we've done with with Zarvio. Zarvio is BASF's digital arm, and they're really focused on crop protection or you know, fungicides, disease. How do I help make sure? You're spraying when there's there is a risk. Uh, you're spraying at the right time into the right conditions, and then you're putting you know the right amount on the right parts of the field. And what they found was, hey, that product can be made a lot more effective the more measurement you have in the field. And they saw what Arable was doing, loved a lot of the same things I loved about it: simple, easy, all in one, you know, crop relevant. All these things we're measuring are exactly what plants care about. That's sort of been the premise of Arable from the beginning. It's a it's a product for agriculture. So we spent some time, you know, they they got to know us, they put a bunch of our products out, tested them, did a fair bit of work on integrating that data deeply into their models. And now if you have an arable device and you have Zarvio, super simple, one minute, you hook the two together and, you know, not just sort of the basics of like rainfall precipitation, but some of the deeper intelligence we provide helps to make that, that Zarvio product even better. We see this coming, it just came in two days ago, sort of over the transom for us, big grower said, hey, I'm loving the, the Zarvio product. I heard it fits plug and play with what Arable does. Yeah, that's what I want. And so that unlocked uh, you know, that opportunity for us. And so, you know, we could have been sitting back saying, we can't afford to give up some piece of this pie and we're going to go it alone. And it's not, I think, the path that gets this whole industry and area of technology moved forwards. And that's really what I care about. And what I've seen, you know, encouragingly, the entire industry really shift to, you go back to 2014 or so, it was a bunch of people sitting around, you know, boardroom tables, kind of looking anxiously at each other, trying to figure out, you know, who was going to own this whole thing. And it just doesn't pan out that way. It turns out that we can all be good at ER pieces. And hey, sometimes maybe we'll compete out there. Most of the time we can collaborate. And that's what pushes the industry forward. And so, the Zarvio integration, it's not something you do in a week. There's a relationship there. There's teams working together. There's technical pieces, but it ends up being a really important piece. And you know, another one I'm really excited about for us is with Netafim. Uh, Netafim, largest provider of, of drip irrigation equipment. They have an incredible product set that helps growers around the world be more efficient with irrigation. And we can add pieces to that that allow the grower to be more efficient in their irrigation decisions. So knowing you know, exactly how much water that crop needed, how the weather responded, how the growth stages lined up so I can, you know, turn down irrigation when I want to stress the crop, things like that. So it's another great story of, you know, being able to put our puzzle pieces together with what they're already up to and make something where, you know, one plus one equals three for the customer. Right. This is great. So thank you for all this. I do want to push a little bit on not to say that Netafim or or BASF or those specific companies would do something like this, but in just in general, like you take on a partner and then they realize, well, wait a minute, I have the relationship with the customer. Like I can figure out how to make something that kind of does the same thing. What do I need Arable for? You know, and I guess, how do you answer that concern? It's a great question. I think that's what's kind of tugging at the back of everybody's head when they're hesitant is to say, ooh. You know, what if they try it or replace us or, you know, vice versa or whatever it may be. And, you know, my experience is just that 
you gotta come in with the assumption that, well, A, it almost doesn't matter because this is what the customer wants. You start with the customer and work backwards. The customer wants one integrated system. And so these other paths just really, they're not as viable as they might seem. The other one I would say is when this all kind of plays out, even at the largest companies in the world, certainly at the largest companies in agriculture, they've got teams of 500 engineers, you know, 250 data scientists. Guess what? Their roadmap is full. They're sitting back in their office trying to figure out how they're going to get their core stuff done. And the bigger you get, the shorter you are on, on engineers to build the product. It, it's not like all of a sudden you're 500 people and like, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? It's the same thing. You're still like, man, we don't have enough. We have too much stuff to do. And so, you know, everybody's roadmap is packed. They're busy. Don't flatter yourself. They're not going to go build your product. Don't worry about it. And in fact, even if they do, they were probably going to anyway, and your partnership with them didn't do anything to accelerate it. And so I think you just have to let go a little bit. And again, go back to the customer and say like, look, this is the path is solving the right problem for the customer, growing the pie, making this a better overall technology space, more mature and put aside what are probably natural fears of what risk does this pose to us? And it's just all of the benefits outweigh those risks and those risks aren't really as real as you may think. Awesome. You know, from your perspective, what data point or data points do you wish Arable did a better job of tying in? Because, you know, part of what I'm hearing here, and correct me if my thought process is wrong, is kind of like, if all you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail, right? So if all you've got is moisture data, you're like, oh, well, see, I didn't get enough moisture. And so my yield wasn't big enough when obviously there's a million other factors that could impact yield. What data points, you know, for your customers, do you wish you could collect more effectively or tie in more effectively? Because the more tools in the toolbox, the less, you know, everything <clears throat> looks like a nail. Yeah, it's a great question. And, you know, I'll, I'll try and light up some of the examples you're getting at, which are like, okay, great. You know, if Arable is able to capture the weather, rainfall, temperature, humidity, wind, the light that the crop received, the crops, you know, biomass and canopy temperature and the soil moisture temperature and salinity and how much I watered, that's great. But you're still missing a lot of key pieces, right? And so I think a great example is around disease. And so, if I'm trying to help a farmer or an agronomist make a decision about whether or not there is disease risk, there's a couple other key pieces that you can call it the disease triangle, right? We're really talking about one point on that triangle, which is, did the environment set up in a way that you know it was hotter, it was wetter, the leaves stayed wet longer? Those are the types of things we can characterize. What we can't characterize is were those fungal spores in the air? You know, and if there's not an inoculum, all the conditions in the world don't mean go spray. You know, you could draw a parallel to insects. And so a lot of cool technologies out there where folks are now increasingly able to, to capture that data in a way that's less manual. That's been doable for a while. You know, people can go out to the field, different ways to kind of test for that or collect things and then come back and assess them. But the, the fact that that's all becoming automated, think of a camera and a cell modem and an IoT device that can do that all and, you know, send it back every 20 minutes. You know, those types of technologies are real and they complete part of the arable story in a way that, all right, now I know <laughs> that disease is there. It's in the field. And I know that the conditions are such that it can spread and it can really damage my crop. Now I have a much clearer picture to say, if you go spray, it's going to be worth the money. You know, and that's really what the question is. Is there ROI in this decision? And uh, if I just tell you that all the conditions were such, that's pretty close. That's better than not having that information. But if I can tell you both, 
and you know knowing your genetics and so if i know that your crop is susceptible to this the weather has made it more likely to happen and it's there it showed up it showed up in a way above a level that's that's important that's a more complete product and we're interested in partnering with folks who can add pieces of, of the equation like that so that our product at the end of the day gets even closer to the farmer saying all right when these two things are true i got to do something versus you know when this one thing is true it's much more likely I should do something. At which point the farmer still has to kind of go out and assess, maybe you know, go to the field, ask an agronomist. And look, I think it's helpful. The more tools you have in the toolbox, the better off you are. But part of our job as technology companies is to keep pushing that envelope and make it complete. And so that's an example I like of where you know, there's more to be done. All right. And you're talking about kind of those, those spore catching trap technology that will actually quantify the amount of spores floating around in the area in, in a certain farm, right? Yep, that's a good example. And there's there's a handful of other ones I could jump into where uh, great opportunities for you know product and technology integration where in each case, the product just gets better for the farmer. Right. Yeah, yeah. I also think about, you know, we've had Semios on the show before in some of their pest trap and, and mating disruption type technologies too, which is interesting. How do you automate the data collection of like what variety a farmer planted? You know, like you said, you can't have manual data entry. How do you automate stuff like that? There's a, a bunch of good ones. What you see out there today, I guess what's most common is nobody records it. Uh, what's become more common is people tap it into an iPad or a screen, even the tractor at, at planting. Uh, what it's been trying to push towards is QR codes on seed bags. There are some other options that I think may become prevalent. You can basically put little things like called glitter where it's, it's little codes in the bag. And as that flies through, it gets scanned and you know the variety based on what the planter has detected. I think we'll see those. You know, I, I think they're going to be used in the majority of the market anytime soon. But yeah, I mean, some, some things are tough. And you know, I'll give it another example, which is how do you get to yield and quality data in crops that aren't you know, necessarily harvested with a, with a combine or, or another piece of equipment? The answer is that that data is there. You know, the customer has it. And I think oftentimes... Well, it may be tough to create a fully automated system, the answer then becomes, well, how do I get it connected from that other database product where it already sits? And so now it becomes much more of a data integration challenge, which is how do I pull these two things together? Because at some point, you know, that's what the farmer is getting paid on is yield and quality. So it's known. It's just not all in one system. And that's not about necessarily more IoT in the field. It's just a, a hairy problem around how do I take this data that's maybe not all even all in one place and put it together? And, you know, that's a, it could be a tough challenge. You know, I've seen a fair bit of that, which is you, you just have to be willing to, to kind of go through the slog, figuring out what all the formats are. It could come in, you know, up oh, there's 109 different formats. Okay. What are all the errors that could pop up? Uh, maybe I need to build a little something to clean it automatically. Maybe I need to build something to manipulate it. And eventually I need to get it into a common data format. And now I can do that. So there's different flavors of problems. Some of them are tough data challenges like that. And some of them are, are IoT challenges where you can say that data exists, but it's on the CAN bus of a piece of equipment. Well, I can get that. And so I think, as you just said, you start with the assumption that I can't have anybody taking a bunch of steps to input data in one place that's already been put in somewhere else or that exists somewhere else. Then you just have to solve whatever the, the challenge is between you and doing that. Right. And I think we're definitely heading in the right direction. I do think a lot about specialty crops and, you know, getting infield, you know, yield data from specialty crops. And I think things like, you know, almonds looking at off-ground harvesting where you could actually 
theoretically measure what came off of each individual tree and optimize things like irrigation and nutrition of that tree. Same thing with table grapes and like you've got the burrow that can go out there and take the grapes from where they're handpicked to where they're packed. And, you know, you could theoretically track that and measure that along the way. So I, I think that's hopefully headed in the right direction. But yeah, I mean, it's tough if, if you're not running a combine and you don't have yield data, all this other data has kind of nothing to sort of be validated against, I, I guess, to make sure that, you know, the ultimate outcome, the yield is actually where it needs to be. Is that a problem that you all kind of find workarounds for? Yes. I mean, I think just in, in general, you know, one thing that I've, I've seen in sort of the ag tech sphere, particularly in the U.S., but globally as well, is that there's just such a huge opportunity in, you call them specialty crops, or you could just say, you know, crops that aren't corn and soybeans. And, you know, there's, there's probably a couple of, of really good reasons for that. But I think it's, you know, it's an underserved part of the market. You know, irrigated crops represent 50% of the crop value in the world. You know, they're a huge driver of, of a lot of the bigger impact elements that, that we think about. So, you know, that's using 70% of our fresh water in the world to irrigate those crops. You look at power usage, you know, in the state of California, 20% of all power usage goes towards moving water around for irrigation. Globally, that's almost 10%. And so it's huge impact. And you, then you kind of drill in and say, well, why is that? Well, there are these challenges. You know, there's many more crops. It's sort of a diverse set. There's different practices of sort of how things get managed, you know, and sometimes sort of less, less machines, more people. And so I think those are very solvable problems. But they are different problems than corn and soybeans have. And, you know, I think it, that just opens up an opportunity, which is there's not as much that's been solved, but there's a vast amount of value to be created and, you know, and products to, to solve them. And so, yeah, you're kind of getting into what I think is the part of the solution, which is, again, hey, there is something that is actually measuring this, you know, whether it's um, burrow or there's these technologies where basically Grapes are being manually harvested, but there is a piece of equipment that's driving them back and forth out of the rows now. And so that, you know, with, has a scale on it and you can tell, and now that becomes automated data collection and, you know, all sorts of different sort of avenues that allow you to have a more complete data picture. And, you know, eventually things like quality, whether that's bricks or soluble solids, those things get measured and that data goes into a system. And so it's just a, sort of another frontier uh, of challenges and one that, I'm particularly excited about and have really enjoyed getting much deeper into you know, sort of what's what's going on in the other 97% of agriculture that's not U.S. corn and soybeans. And you all at Arable are about evenly split acreage-wise, right, between corn and soybeans and what we're calling everything else, I guess, or row crops and specialty crops. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, a lot of the other row crops, cotton, potatoes, sugar beets, things like that, where uh, either you know some more intricate decisions being made, or it's irrigated and, and things like that. So we do have customers who are you know dry land corn and soybean farmers in the Midwest, but they're not the majority of of our business. And um, I think that that's okay. They have a lot of irrigated corn farmers in Nebraska. A lot of people doing more sort of R and D or seed corn tend to be our sweet spot right now. And part of that is it's before we we can go into that market, it's on us to build a great product for them. And I think that's out there and that, you know, that's something we'll be able to do. But right now, our product's a better fit for many other parts of, of agriculture, including very large corn and soybean farms where there's a big logistics challenge. So thinking about, hey, I have 100, 200 sprayers to move around continuously through the year. You know, How do I get real-time intelligence about the conditions of that field? How does it compare to my plan? Those are definitely uh, really compelling value propositions for us. And it's why we've had a lot of success in Brazil 
is just the similar crops, but different practices because of farm size. And what are you noticing if you were to notice any sort of general commonalities among the customers that are most eager to get your technology on their place? You know, obviously it spans different crops, it spans different countries, but are you noticing any commonalities that may set them apart from the vast majority of farmers who have not yet embraced this technology? Ah, good question. I mean, I think if you if you played back, you, we ask our customers this all the time, hey, why'd you pick Arable? Why'd you go with Arable? You know, the, the most common threads that come back or themes are, you know, complete or holistic, the ability to get sort of everything that's happening to the plant and its response in one place, simple, easy. You mentioned a lot of people make that claim, but once people get it in their hands, they can assess for themselves. And, and that's something that I think we, we get high marks on. And I would say, you know, if you're looking for sort of, well, all right, if you're trying to kind of segment the market and say, well, what part of the customer segmentation are, are most interested in it? You know, it is this group who are looking for an edge. They believe that data and technologies can provide them that edge. If you ask them, what's the most important technology uh, that's going to help move your business forward over the next two to three years? And if they say big data and analytics, the people who answer that, which is, you know, I think a good uh, third or so of the market and some of the survey data that we've seen, those are the folks who are going to be interested, who are trying to get an advantage and also trying to adjust to a lot of the changes that are happening in the market, whether that's climate change. A grower in, in California was talking about how, you know, used to see two or three days over 100 during the growing season, now sees 12 to 14. Uh, and that's just in, you know, in the last 15 years, it's a, just a dramatic change in how you have to manage that crop. You know, water regulation, we're seeing reduced allotments across the board. You know, you look out west of the Mississippi, the amount of water that people have to grow crops is going to be drastically reduced and already is. And that's not just a Western U.S. problem. Same thing down in Arkansas, same thing in Nebraska and uh, around the world. You know, you used to be able to drill a well two meters down in some of the heavily irrigated areas in India. And now you can go down 500 meters and not hit water. I mean, it's crazy. And these changes that bring about new constraints or challenges, whether they're climate change or regulatory or price pressure, the people who are, are trying to solve those through technology generally see arable and say, hey, that's something I think I need. Well, that's a whole nother episode, but that is something I've been thinking about so much is how they see themselves is the biggest factor in the future of ag tech, how the customer sees themselves. And so anyway, that's something I've been thinking about an awful lot lately. All right. Well, you've done a really great job of indulging all my curiosity across a pretty wide range of spectrum. You know, what's next for Arable or, you know, maybe along with that, if there's something that we didn't get to, or you're hoping to emphasize, you know, some parting comments here before I let you get on with your day. Yeah. And I think what we're most excited about at Arable is just you know, looking across the agriculture industry and thinking about the impact that technologies, not just ours, but all these technologies can have, and you know what that means for how we use water, what that means for how we grow food, what that means for what ends up in a, you know, our waterways, and what that means for farmers' ability to remain profitable and efficient and sustainable going into this next great challenge. And I think in some ways already a, a crisis in how we operate agriculture around the world. The idea that a company like Arable can be a part of not only helping solve that huge challenge, but helping each of the 2 billion people who work in agriculture around the world every day 
it's incredibly inspiring to us. It's what gets the team at Arable up every morning. I, I used to say uh, racing into work, but now I guess uh, racing into the, the Zoom. But it's really just the, the driving factor. And um, we see doing that through the same path we've been on, which is really high quality data that describes the whole crop system turned into intuitive tools through web and mobile apps, but also through deep partnerships and through collaboration and cooperation with other technology companies, people who are already out there working with growers on the ground. And so that mentality, being willing to bring brand new technology to the equation and thinking about it with sort of a modern approach to data and data science, but then also being very humble about what we actually can do and, and where where we're going to need to you know really partner deeply with other folks. I'm just I'm convinced that on that path lies a, a huge and important impact to the planet and to what we're doing here, you know, as, as humans. And so I feel pretty lucky to get to work on something like that every day. This has been a fantastic interview, Jen. Thank you very much. I've been starting to do this. Is there is there any startup uh, at any stage out there in in ag ag tech that you just want to give a shout out to? You think is doing interesting work that that could potentially be impactful. Anybody that comes top of mind, I'm sure there's probably several with you being so collaborative, but um, you know, any that come to mind for you? Oh, good question. You know, I think I'll, uh, I'll shout out one that I, I kind of mentioned before, which is a company called Scanit. Scanit's out here in the, the Bay Area. They're doing automated spore counting. They've got a really neat technology in terms of being able to do that in a better way and basically tell a grower whether or not there is actually you know, a real risk of disease in their field. And it's just, it's an incredibly important piece of the puzzle that uh, I'm encouraged to see companies like that with breakthrough technologies coming along. You know, if it's successful, I think can have a a huge impact on saving farmers a lot of money, reducing the amount of pesticide that's needed to grow food, improving the quality and safety of our food. You know, I think, as I said before, each of these are, need to be one part of of a larger solution that spreads all the way. It's not just, you know, digital technologies, it's cover crops, it's new practices. It's all sorts of things that, you know, biologicals, they really come together. And so that's a fun one that I would love to give a shout out to the, the folks at Scanit. They're doing great work. But maybe the, the overarching one is keeping in mind that this is a system and there's many pieces that need to come together. Sometimes we get somewhat focused on, you know, as you said, I've got a hammer, everything looks like a nail. I think there's tons of people doing great work that aren't even in sensors and apps and data, but are more about how do we evolve agriculture in other ways. Thank you so much to Jim Ethington for being on the show. I really enjoyed that conversation. And actually, members of the FOA community were treated to a bonus podcast of Jim talking about those early days of the Climate Corp. I thought it was such fun ag tech history. You can check that out by joining the paid community over at patreon.com forward slash agriculture. Thanks to those of you who continue to support this show, either through that community or just by sharing episodes with friends or on social media. It really is very much appreciated. And don't forget to complete our audience survey. It's still live. The link is in the show notes. And subscribe to the SWAT Agronomy podcast. We're releasing episodes over there every month. Thanks for your time and your attention. I really don't take it lightly. I'll be back next week with another story of ag innovation. (laughs) 